Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. We've got a bridge class ready to be dismissed this morning. Are we ready to dig into the Word of God? Hallelujah. Well, I am excited to share with you today. I've been on a, uh, a series that led up to today. We're going to conclude that series today, but it's just uh, simply called It Is Finished. Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the fall. Uh, last week, we talked about the plan. See, there was a fall, and then God had a plan to deal with the fall. And then today, we're going to talk about the victory. Praise God. The plan got us to the victory over the fall. Praise God. And so uh, that's what we're going to deal with today and, and, uh, uh, because this is, this is victory day. Praise God. This is the greatest victory of all. This is, uh, this is greater than, than the Super Bowl victory. Praise God. This is greater than, uh, you know, whatever victory you may have experienced in your life. The reason you experience any victory in your life is because Jesus won the greatest victory of all. Hallelujah. And he won it on your behalf. Praise God. It wasn't for him. He didn't go to the cross for him. He went to the cross for you. Praise God. He went to the grave for you. And he rose for you. Praise God. You know, and um, you see, one, one thing that I have learned a long time ago, and, and I want you to get this, because, you know, if when, you, when you start thinking this way, it... it uh, um, it will begin to transform you. But, you know, I refuse to fight for what I deserve. I hear people saying all the time, well, well, you know, I deserve better than this. You deserve better than this. So, you know, and I came to realize I don't want what I deserved. Praise God. And I am thankful for the grace of God that gave me what I did not deserve. For the mercy that did not give me what I did deserve. Praise God. So I won't ever fight. I, you know, well, I deserve better. No, I don't deserve better. And if I get what I deserve, that would put me on a cross. You know, and I, I'm glad I didn't have to go to the cross. Praise God. I am so thankful that Jesus went to the cross in my place. Praise God. And so today, we're going to dig in. If you've... Uh, uh, if you've got our app, you can go on where we are, are uh, 
logged in or you can log in there to on our app to uh, this morning's broadcast now uh, you know turn your volume down so you don't hear uh, on, on your phone but anyway at the end of the video or right down at the bottom of the page below the video there is an outline there of, of what I'm going to be sharing with you today praise God but uh, let me just say this. Let's, let's just lift one hand and say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You see, it's always puzzling to me how that Christians point to the cross and then, and then to the resurrection you know, as being the, um, I mean, this is what Christianity is all about. Believing that Jesus went to the cross, believing that he rose from the dead. But then we act many times like the cross didn't change anything. Like nothing actually changed. You know, it's right back to, you know, and, and here's the thing that uh, um, when we really understand and really grasp what Jesus did the cross was the turning point. I tell people that, that uh, you know, there's two parts of your Bible, and most people think that you change, uh, that, that the change is on that page where it says New Testament. But actually, the change is the cross. The change is, that's, that's where everything changed. There are things that are recorded in the New Testament that actually speak of something that was before the cross. And then there are, uh, there are also things in the Old Testament that prophesy of what would be after the cross. So you can't just look at that page and say, well, if it's beyond that page, then it's, it's New Testament, it's New Covenant. Not necessarily true. You've got to read the context. You've got to read it and be a student of the Word of God to determine what it is you're reading, what it is you're looking at. Praise God. Is this something, is this the way it was before the cross? Or is this the result of the cross? That's the difference. Praise God. Praise God. And I want us to look at this today in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 14. Notice it says, having past tense, right? Right? Any, uh, any English majors? Anybody pass English? Okay. All right. Having is past tense. Praise God. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Notice, let's read that one more time. He 
has or having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having, past tense, nailed it to the cross. So he took, you see, there, there was a law of ordinances and commandments that, that would, if we're honest, we have to admit that, that the law condemned every one of us. Praise God. Jason talked about the rich young ruler and how that he said, well, I've kept all these things from my youth up. You see, that was arrogance because the fact of the matter is that no one kept everything from their youth up. He may have made an attempt to keep it all from his youth up, but I promise you that there is at least one point in the law in which he failed. At least one. And the scripture says that if we fail in one point, we are guilty of breaking all the commandments. Praise God. So everyone in this room, the law pronounced you guilty. That's why we have to have Jesus. Praise God. That's why we need, if the law would have been good enough, if the law would have achieved the desired results, if it, if it would have uh, uh, removed our sin, the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. It could only temporarily cover it. But the blood of Jesus the perfect sacrifice actually removed our sin. Hallelujah. And it is gone forever, and he shed it once for all, and he's never going to shed another drop of blood. Praise God. Praise God. He successfully, and we talked about this in the plan, the plan was that God was going to take the curse off of you that's what he was wanting to achieve was to get the curse off of you. And the way he got it off of you was by putting it on Jesus. And he was able to do that because the scripture says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The apostle Paul quoted that to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse number 13. The curse, he, he nailed Jesus to the cross, and therefore it caused the curse and all of the judgment to come upon him. Jesus, talking about his death of being raised up on the cross, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all to me, not all men. That's, a, that's an italicized word. But he says, I will draw all to me. And in the context, he's saying, I will draw all judgment to me. And so when Jesus was nailed to the cross, it caused all the judgment that would have come upon you or was supposed to come upon you, it caused it to come upon him. Praise God. And because it came upon him, he bore it in his own body, on the tree. And here's what the scripture says the, 
uh, the apostle Peter wrote this. He said, that he having died to sin might live unto righteousness, that we might, that we having died to sin might live unto righteousness with whose stripes we were healed. Praise God. Jesus bore all that on his own body so that we, having died to sin, might live under righteousness. Praise God. And because of that, we can walk in the healing that was also provided in there. Praise God. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. You see, the handwriting of requirements was that law that says you shall do this, but curse if you do not do it. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, talks about if you break, you know, these commandments, if you don't do these commandments, you don't adhere to these things, he says you, shall, you will be cursed. And he names off all of these horrible curses. But Jesus perfectly kept all of the commandments on your behalf and on mine. And therefore, because he did that, if I put my trust in him, he says that the blessing will come upon me and overtake me. Hallelujah. Then say if I do all the commandments. Now, that's what it says in Deuteronomy 28. But Jesus redeemed us from that. We are no longer under law, but under grace. We are under God's favor that comes upon us because of Jesus and what he did. So all of the requirements, he nailed it to the cross. That means he fulfilled it. He became the curse, and the curse, therefore, was nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the tomb, well, let, let me just remind you of this. We talked about this in the, in the last couple of weeks, how that um, the stones, remember that, Moses went up on the mountain and he brought back two tablets of stones that contained the Ten Commandments. So when we, be, when we see stones in the Bible, I encourage you when you're reading your Bible and you see something about stones, pay attention to the significance of it and see what it's saying. Because there are types and shadows that repeat themselves over and over and over in the Scripture. And when we see stones in the Scriptures, we we can um, take the type and the shadow there that the stones speak of the stone tablets that contain the law and the commandments. The law and the commandments were written on these tablets of stone. Let me give you an, an example. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, tempted of the devil there, the first temptation was, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. Well, Jesus said, I am the bread come down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. And the, the, he, he's saying, the, the tempter is saying, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus, uh, you know, he resists that temptation. But I want you to see the significance there. He said, have them turned in, or turn them into bread. Now, do you realize that stones can never, you can't eat stones like bread? Doesn't work. You know, you'll break your teeth. But here's the thing. 
Jesus is saying the stones, the stone tablets, the law can never be spiritual bread for you. Praise God. Can't turn these stones into bread because stones can never be bread. Yet today, many people are trying to feed, you know, many pastors are trying to feed their congregation with stones that they're trying to turn into bread. They're trying to feed, they're trying to preach the law and preach the commandments and feed the people these stones. But Jesus said, I am the bread. So why don't we quit preaching the stones and start preaching the bread. Preach Jesus the bread. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's get this. The tomb was sealed with a stone. We said the Jews stoned people to death because they were convicted by what was written on the stones. And when they were convicted by the stones, then they took stones and stoned them to death. Jesus could not be convicted by what was written on the stones because he was the only person who successfully kept all that was written on the stones. Kept it perfectly. And so the stones couldn't convict him. So when the fullness of time had come, there was a world power that was in place, the Roman Empire, and the Romans did not stone people to death. The Romans took convicted people and they crucified them. They nailed them to a tree. But see, do you see the wisdom of God at work here? Praise God. At the perfect time when the Roman Empire was, was ruling the known world, they crucified. Therefore, they nailed him to the tree, and God could go back to the Scripture that said that the curse would come upon everyone who is hanged on a tree. So they nailed Jesus on a tree, and the curse came upon him. He had to get the curse off of you and I, and that's how he did it. He did it by nailing Jesus to a tree, resulting in all of the curse coming upon him. Hallelujah. Then they took him down from the cross, and they put him in a tomb, and what did they do? They rolled a stone over the door of the tomb. Three days later, Jesus, his body being behind the stone in the tomb, his body being there, the stones were pronouncing, because he's behind the stones, symbolically the stone was pronouncing judgment upon him. He's cursed because he hung on a tree. The stone is pronouncing judgment upon him. But you see, we got to remember, he became us. He became us. So in the mind of God, it is us behind the stone, and the stone is pronouncing judgment against us. Are you, are you seeing where I'm going with this? The stone, what is written on the stones, is pronouncing judgment against him but not him because he became us. 
So it's pronouncing judgment upon us. Three days after Jesus was, after he gave up the ghost, he's behind the stone, and the stones determined that the full penalty that was due because of sin, remember he became sin? So he's laying behind the stone as sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. And because the death has been paid, the stones now are pronouncing judgment, and their judgment say the death penalty has been paid. And because it has been paid, the angel of the Lord who carry out his word rolled the stone away. Because the death penalty has been paid in full. But remember who was behind the stone. Yes, it was the body of Jesus, but he became us. So it was us that was laying behind the stone in the mind of God. And the stones pronounced that the price, the penalty has been paid in full. Let's get the stone out of the way. Hallelujah. And when they got the stone out of the way, what was revealed? The resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. And you and I are in him. Praise God. I'm not in that, that Jesus that was laying behind the stones anymore because he's not laying behind the stones anymore. I am in the resurrected Christ. My death penalty, my death sentence has been completely paid in full. The stone was rolled away to prove it. Hallelujah. His victory has become my victory. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Well, have we been brought to Christ? Yes. Then the law has done what it was given to do. It was given to bring us. It, the law was given not to make us righteous. That was never the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to make you and I realize that we could never, ever measure up to God's standard. And so it was to, to cause us to cry out, I need a Savior. Thus bringing us to Christ. Hallelujah. And now he says... Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. We have been brought to Christ. Praise God. That we might be justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Him and in His work in what He has done. But after faith has come, 
we are no longer under a tutor. Now, what did he say? The law is the tutor, right? And he says, after we, it brings us to Christ, and once we have come to Christ, then we are no longer under the tutor. So the tutor was the law. So he says, because we are now in Christ, we are no longer under the law. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, look at this. Jesus was resurrected behind the stone to signify that the law was uh, and, and testified that the law had determined that judgment had been fully served. And now we, we are in the resurrected Christ. Praise God. Get this, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8. If we say that we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, first of all, that can't be written to believers because he says it would cleanse us from all unrighteousness but we're not un believers we're not unrighteous we have been declared righteous because we are in the righteous one Christ hallelujah so it's it is talking about people who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their savior they have never been declared righteous and but here's what he says before you were a believer you heard the message of the gospel you believed upon Jesus put your faith and your trust in him and when you did so he was pronounced righteous, so you are pronounced righteous. Praise God. If we confess our see, if I don't acknowledge that I have sinned, then I essentially am saying I don't need a Savior. But praise God, I needed a Savior, and I have a Savior, and now He is just to forgive me of all of my sins. For the unbeliever, no matter what you've done, if you're watching me today online or if you're sitting in this room, if you acknowledge that, yes, you have sinned, but you have never acknowledged Jesus as your Savior, you see, you're still responsible for your sins. But when you acknowledge Jesus, that he paid for your sins, it says he is faithful. In other words, he will do it without fail. He will do what he said he would do. And he is justified in doing it. Why is he justified in forgiving you? Why is he justified to cleanse you from unrighteousness? That means making you righteous. Why is he justified in calling you righteous? He is justified in calling you righteous because he, as, as you, paid 
for your unrighteousness. Therefore, he is justified in declaring you righteous. Praise God. Praise God. Now, notice this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had, notice this, by himself. Now, that doesn't mean alone, but that means by him, by him, by himself, purged our sins. Notice what it says, he has purged our sins. He has purged our sins. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? He has purged your sins. Praise God. Now, anybody ever had the water at your house turned off? You know, the the at the at the you know uh, the main uh, meter they turn the water off and then when you turn the water back on it starts spitting water out and and air comes out you know and and that's purging the lines purging the water lines of air that has gotten into the lines all right, here's what he's talking about. He has purged our sins. He opened the faucet and let our sins go. Praise God. Now, the only thing that came out of your water faucet when you turned it on, there was some air and there was some water. But you, as you let it run for a few minutes, all of the air is purged out, and it is pure water coming out. All right, here's what happened. There, there was some, you know, before you accepted Jesus, you did some good things, right? And, you know, I mean, you weren't terrible all the time, just sometimes. Okay. There were some good things in there. And when the faucet was opened up, some good things came out and some sins came out. But after a few minutes, all the air was out of the lines and it was just nothing but water coming out of the lines. You see, he has purged our sins. He got rid of our sins and now nothing comes out but Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Notice this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. Notice he has. Once again, English, he has past tense, purged our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hallelujah. Why did he sit down? That sounds a whole lot to me like it is finished. Praise God. It is 
finished. He has purged your sins. Praise God. And then notice this one, Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10. You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Notice you are complete. Com if, you, if you said, if you had a job to do and you said, I have finished the job, or you said, I have completed the job, it would mean the same thing, right? You know, it would be understand if, you know, somebody says, well, you know, have you, have you completed that job or have you finished that job? They would, it would mean exactly the same thing. So here it says that you are complete. When you have completed the job, that means there is nothing left to do. When you have finished the job, Jesus said it is finished. That means there is nothing left to do. So when he had finished, he sat down. Praise God. You are complete in him. He is Finished, he has completed the work, therefore he has sat down. It is finished. Praise God. Romans chapter 1, notice verse number 4. And declared, talking about Jesus, to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. It has been finished, so he has risen from the dead. Judgment has been carried out, and it is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, here's the thing. The victory finished is that he doesn't have to deal with you on the basis of the law but now what he always wanted to do was extend grace to you praise God God never wanted to deal with you on the basis of the law he always wanted to deal with you on the basis of grace remember the law was given for a time to bring us to Christ Praise God. But now we have come to Christ. It is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The victory is that he no longer has to deal with you on the basis of the law. He, has, he deals with you now on the basis of what Christ has done. He has perfectly satisfied all of the judgment that was against you and because he has completely and perfectly satisfied it now God can deal with you on the basis of Jesus hallelujah so never ever come to God to receive anything from God and start trying to tout your own merits 
Never start saying, well, I did this and I did that. Well, I, you know, I, I come to church every time the doors are open and I give tithes and offerings. And I help little ladies across the street and I'm kind to animals. Never ever start touting your own merits in an effort to receive something from God because when you, when you do that, the Bible calls that falling from grace. You're saying, I don't want you, God, to deal with me on the basis of grace. I want you to deal with me on the basis of what I've done. And when you do that, it will always be like that young, rich young ruler, one thing you lack. There will always be one thing you lack. But when you, when you let God deal with you the way he wants to deal with you on the basis of Christ, it is finished. It is completed. There is nothing left to do. There is no judgment left against you. Praise God. There is nothing, you know, uh, you can say, well, you know, Father, I, you know, you, you're required to heal me because I did this and this and this. You know, I came from some circles where they, they, they taught you that. You state your case before God. Well, God, I did this, and I did this, and, you know, and, and you said, if I did this, then. But he can always say, there's one thing you lack. You did this, yes. We, I acknowledge that. But you also did this over here. There's one thing you lack, see. You may have done, you, you may be speaking honestly and truthfully that you did all of these things that would result in you receiving your healing, but there's still one thing you lack. But when you come on the basis of what Christ has done and he deals with you on the basis of what Christ has done, don't ever tell God what you've done. He knows what you did. But what he knows is what Jesus did, praise God, and that's what he chooses to look at. He looks at what Jesus did. Now, if you come before God and you want to talk about what somebody did, start talking about what Jesus did. Jesus bore my sickness and he bore my disease and he bore my pain. And because of what he did, therefore, I can expect to receive my healing from you. Don't tell him what you did. He's going to say, oh, so we're doing it that way this time. No, let's do it on the basis of what Jesus did. Because what Jesus did is what earned you favor with God. Praise God. Praise God. So come touting his accomplishments, not touting yours. Because yours will always leave you short. Praise God. But you are complete in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 4 says, We have such, a, uh, such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, See, this is what I was just saying. Let me start that over again. We have such trust through Christ toward God. 
Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice what he goes on, and notice what he calls the, the ministry and the preaching of the law. Notice this. But if the ministry of death, now he's talking about the law here, the preaching of the law. He calls it the ministry of death. You know, so if I start preaching the law to you, then what you're doing is you're coming every Sunday morning to hear the ministry of death. Is that what you want? I hope not. I hope not. You know, I could probably refer you to some place where you could get some ministry of death. But yeah, I, somebody said no thanks. Praise God. Come and hear the ministry of life, the ministry of the Spirit, which is life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. But will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? You see, there are, are, are people, in fact, probably several of you in this room, you got saved under the ministry of death. Because he said that it had some glory. There was some glory that was there. But he says, if it was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit? Praise God. Praise God. You see, some say this. Some say that we are no longer under the ceremonial law but we are under the Ten Commandments. But that's not what the Bible says. See what the Bible says. Let's look at this. The ministry of death, notice what he says the ministry of death is. He says it is what was written and engraved on stones. The ceremonial law was never written on stones. The Ten Commandments were written on stones. You know, this is why I don't get all upset when the Ten Commandments are removed from a public place. Do I want the, the Bible to be, in some regards, yes, I do, because I want the, the, the freedom to speak the word of God you know publicly but what I don't get upset about is in all reality let's replace it with John 3.16 okay instead of 
thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. How about let's replace it with God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not saying let's take the word of God out of the public arena. That, that's not what I'm espousing that we would do. But what I'm saying is there's something better to put there than the Ten Commandments. The, the, he calls the ministry of death written and engraved on stones. Let's replace it with the ministry of the Spirit that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Through believing upon him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. And if we truly understand that God so loved us, then we will keep the Ten Commandments because it will be a natural part of who we are. Praise God. Praise God. Paul calls the Ten Commandments written on stones the ministry of death. But when we preach the law, we put Jesus back inside the tomb behind the stone. You see what I'm saying? The stone was rolled out of the way. But when we preach what was written on the stone, we essentially roll the stone back and the glory of the resurrected Christ can never be seen as long as he is behind the stone. Yet a lot of preachers are keeping Jesus behind the stone. Let's bring the resurrected Christ out into the light of day where he belongs. Praise God. The stone is rolled away. Let's quit preaching the stone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, is it a good idea to do what the Ten Commandments say? Well, here's what the Scripture says. If you feel the, fulfill the law of love, you'll fulfill all the commandments. Praise God. You know, am I saying, well, it's okay. You can, you, everybody can go commit adultery this afternoon. No, I am not. I am not saying that you should go out and deliberately do all the things that the Ten Commandments say don't do. But I'm saying when you understand the spirit of life on the inside of you and you realize that God has put His Spirit in you and you are now complete in Him and you are now of Him and you have been joined to the Lord. We just finished a series on that talking about being joined to the Lord and you have become one with Him. Well, let me just ask, did Jesus want to break the Ten Commandments? No. And you are complete in Him. He doesn't want to do that. You see, here's the problem. When you preach the Ten Commandments, it stirs something up on the inside of you and it causes you to want to do what you said don't do. Paul talks about that struggle. When we're preaching the Ten Commandments, it makes us want, it stirs something up and we want to do what they say don't do. But when we learn the fact that we are in Christ and His life begins to live out of us, you without effort will keep the Ten Commandments. You can try and you can work harder. See, the world's way of, uh, of doing things and the re religion's way of doing things is try harder. But the spirit way of doing things is rest more. 
praise God. We learn to rest in Him. Are we going to go by the, the ministry of death that says try harder, or are we going to be uh, following after the ministry of the Spirit which says rest in what He did? Praise God. That's what I'm saying we should be doing. Praise God. Not trying harder, not working harder, not, you know, harder, harder, harder. No, rest more, more, more. Praise God. Teach me, Lord, how to rest. Now, you know, there, there are the critics who say, well, if you don't tell them, they won't know. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. If that's true, let me just ask you this question. If that's true, then why do people who have no knowledge of God, no consciousness of God whatsoever, why do they call adultery cheating? Because they know. They don't call it cheating because the Bible says so. They call it cheating because they know that's cheating. Praise God. They know there is something built on the inside of us that we know. We know. But we don't want to stir up those evil desires on the inside of us. We want to stir up and provoke one another, as the Hebrew says, unto love and good works. Praise God. Praise God. Unto what and good works? Hebrews chapter 10. Let us provoke one another. Let us stir up love and good works. See, they go hand in hand. When, when we begin to follow the commandment of love, then the good works follow. Stir up one another unto love and good works. Praise God. Praise God. You see, when we preach the law, the glory of the risen Christ is veiled. He's hidden behind the stone. Hallelujah. But the stone has been rolled away. Let's keep the stone out of the way so that the risen Christ can be seen. And when we with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, then we are being changed and transformed into that image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't disagree with legalistic preachers that sin's a terrible thing. I don't disagree with that at all. But, you know, and, and we actually have the same goal. Sin is a destructive thing, and we want you to stop sinning. But the way to do that is what we disagree about. You know, we can preach the ministry of death, which stirs up evil desires, stirs up sin, 
and sin kills you or we can preach the spirit of life and preach the resurrected Christ and, and, and portray Christ before you as risen from the dead as the, and the work as a finished work and it stirs you up to love and good works. Praise God. Praise God. You see, Jesus is risen. He's not behind the stone anymore. So let's preach Jesus out from behind the stone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that Jesus is risen from the dead and the work is finished. And we are complete in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're in this room today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. So, Pastor, I never heard a message like this what you preached this morning I never heard that you know all the preaching I've heard has been don't do this and don't do that and you know but that Jesus did bear my sins I believe he did pay my my debt in full and I believe he is risen from the dead and no I've never received him as my savior well, how do you receive him as your Savior? So you're already halfway there. You already have the believing part down. What is the part about confessing with your mouth? That's the part you haven't done yet. You see, that's what I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do. You see, because if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and says if you confess that with your mouth, that's verbally acknowledging that, verbally acknowledging that Jesus has paid your debt in full and he is risen from the dead because he has finished the work. Praise God. Then, if you will do that, if you will pray this prayer after me and mean it, doesn't, doesn't mean anything at all if you don't mean it, but if you pray this prayer and you mean this, according to God's word, you will be saved. The moment that we say amen, which means so be it. That means everything I just said, so be it. The moment we say amen, you will pass from death unto life. You will be saved. Praise God. And from that moment on, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in Christ. Praise God. If you're sitting here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're watching online and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, just repeat this after me. Say, God in heaven, I believe, let's all repeat it. The God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he finished the work, paid for all of my sins, rose again from the dead. Now He is Lord of all. And I receive Him as my personal Lord and Savior. I put my trust in what He 
Jesus for paying for my sin. Thank you for saving me. From this moment forward, begin to teach me to know you more. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you as my Savior now. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know how many prayed that prayer for the first time. If you did, you are saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're sitting here in this room today, card, seat, pocket in front of you, on, the, on that card, there's a box that says, I choose Jesus. Just fill that card out and check that box if you would, so we can know, we can rejoice with you. If you're watching online, there's a place there. Uh, to, to say, I choose Jesus. If you'll go to our app, uh, W-O-L Carlsbad app, or if you'll go to our website, W-O-L there is a book that you can download onto your phone or tablet free of charge. If you'll just download that book. Its purpose is to help you to know what just happened to you and what you what to do next, how to proceed from here. Praise God. Praise God. So do that. You know, it's been such a joy to preach Jesus to you today. Hallelujah. Now, he said that the Father has a gift for you. The gift is what we refer to as baptism with the Holy Spirit. People say, well, is that where you have to speak with tongues? Praise God. It's a blessing to your life. You see, it's a gift, and all you have to do is receive it. How do you receive it? Jesus said, if you ask for it, you'll receive it. Praise God. Praise God.
watching online, watching, just lift up your hand, just lift up your hand, your body. And now in Jesus' name, I declare unto you, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, say, I receive. Staying in that attitude of prayer today, I want to pray for the requests represented on the cards, and I also want to join together. Some of you may have heard that there was tragedy this morning in Sri Lanka, where there were eight uh, bombs that went off at churches and hotels, and uh, last report I saw was uh, they've confirmed that at least 200 have lost their lives, so let's join together and let's pray in the name of Jesus. Father God, we pray right now. For our, for our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka. God, we pray that you're bringing peace in the name of Jesus, that you're bringing protection from further attacks. We surround them with love in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for the requests that are represented on the cards today, that you're working to bring about your will in every situation. God, that you're bringing healing and peace and strength and joy in Jesus' name. God, that you're opening doors of opportunity and meeting financial needs and restoring relationships, God, in Jesus' name. We give you all honor and all praise today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What's been a good day, right? Hallelujah. You're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 